Welcome to Jane Unchained, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and JaneUnchained.com founder, Jane Velez Mitchell. In the next few minutes, you'll hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your life, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell. Hello! I am so excited to be here because we are in the process of trying to save the whales and uh, save the dolphins. And they need saving because we are destroying our natural world and we are abducting these animals and keeping them in what essentially amounts to a bathtub for their entire lives in aquariums that I'll come right out and call them abusement parks. Dr. Lori Marino is a leader in this field, and she has an extraordinary project uh, called the Whale Sanctuary Project. Tell us all about it, Dr. Marino. Well, hi, Jane, and hi to everyone. Thanks for having me. Uh, The Whale Sanctuary Project is a project that I started uh, in 2016, and from a small uh, group of people who wanted to do something about the fact that dolphins and whales are being kept in tanks for entertainment. Uh, We've now grown to a nonprofit organization with a a board and over 50 international advisors. And our mission is to create sanctuaries as a way to show that there is an alternative to keeping whales and dolphins in tanks for entertainment. We know that these animals do very poorly in tanks. And in sanctuaries, uh, they can thrive and they can have the opportunity to live a life as close to nature as possible. And we owe it to them to do that. Yes, and thank you for looking into the camera eye. We'll see your beautiful face. Look at the green dot at the top of your computer. Yes, um, right there. There you go, right there. Perfect, perfect, perfect. So tell me, um, here's the problem as I see it. I mean, there's challenges, but these animals are unfortunately considered property. And that is the essential problem with almost all animal abuse is that the animals are considered property. Yes. And that's why there's so many efforts to get legal standing for animals being conducted right. by Animal Legal Defense Fund and the Non-Human Rights Project. Uh, but how are you going to get these aquariums who technically legally own these animals to release them so they can go into these uh, sanctuaries, these brilliant sanctuaries that are you're, you're creating, Lori? Well, that's a great question. And you're right. Most animals, I mean, all animals are considered things or properties under the law. Uh, But there is a a change happening. There is a global movement happening. Uh, Not only are people starting to grow tired of seeing these animals performing in tanks, but there's been a lot of policy change and legislation in many different countries. And so, We are in communication with a number of uh, marine parks around the world who say that they do want to uh, move their animals to a sanctuary, work with us to create this new global cultural space, if you will. And so uh, it's, it's starting to happen 
from from the point of view of of marine parks who who are no longer finding that they um, that people want to come see these animals in that way. Well, it's interesting because one of the first stories I covered when I started doing this full time is uh, a protest that occurred outside uh, the Staples Center in Brooklyn, uh, approximately 2015. Um, excuse me, approximately, yeah, 2015. And it was nine degree weather, my GoPro, there was no Facebook Live at that time, my GoPro camera was shaking. And there were about 200 people protesting Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Circus. And I even thought to myself, is this really worth it? I mean, nobody's watching, they're, they're charging into the Staples Center with their kids to watch the circus. Everybody's shaking, 200 people shaking, holding signs in the dark. Well, lo and behold, Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey Circus, ultimately with animals, went into the dustbin of history, uh, thanks to the work of PETA and other organizations that launched campaigns. But it's never hopeless. Or as Nelson Mandela says, it always seems impossible until it's done. So exactly. are you saying that there is that similar possibility that these aquariums where we uh, see these animals trapped in what amounts to a bathtub. And that was explained by the brilliant film Blackfish, that it amounts to putting an animal in the human equivalent of a bathtub for their entire lives, that, that now there is a recognition that this is not, this is a cruel model for a business. Mm -hmm. I think that what's happening is that um, from governments to grassroots uh, all across the world, we're starting to see policies implemented that make it increasingly difficult for marine parks to keep these animals and to breed these animals in captivity. For instance, in Canada, we have the passing of the bill S203, which prohibits keeping these animals for entertainment, prohibits breeding. Uh, France just did something uh, similar. Uh, there are changes going on everywhere. And, you know, we have sanctuaries for elephants and big cats and all kinds of animals. And it's time now to have sanctuaries for dolphins and whales. There's absolutely no reason why it can't be done. And it will be. We've got a caller, I think. Uh, are there any callers that we've got here coming in? What we're going to do is we are going to show, I'm going to do a screen share here, and um, I would like to try to show your incredible film. You've got this new mm -hmm. film that is absolutely um, extraordinary. Thank you. It really tells the story. It tells the story of what is going on with these, these animals and what the potential is for um, for them to be essentially uh, freed. And we're going to talk about that. It sounds sort of crazy. Oh, my gosh, you're going to take an animal from uh, a, an aquarium and actually release them back into the wild. But it's not that simple. So let's no. see if we can take a look at this and let's see if we can um, show those who are watching and listening what this is all about. You might want to maximize the screen. There we go. 
I've had many experiences with orcas off the south coast of Iceland. And there you got to see them in their natural environment. You got to see them majestic in every way. They're wide-ranging predators, traveling 100 miles a day and diving as much as 300 feet to forage. And they live in tightly knit family groups, often not leaving their birth family the whole lives. And in many of these families, the moms call all the shots. We're talking about a level of, of emotional bonding with orcas, beluga whales, and other cetaceans that is beyond the par of what we experience as humans. Feelings and emotions come into play in orca and cetacean psychology in a very intense and very fundamental way. They have culture, they have dialects, they have interesting communication systems and a big brain. They're right up there with us. When you look at the orca brain through an MRI image, the neocortex, the thinking part of the brain, the gray matter, is actually more convoluted than that of the human brain. For a brain like that, there is nothing to do in a concrete tank. There are actually 3,000 whales and dolphins in captivity around the world. There are 57 orca, more than 300 beluga, and they live in very small tanks, often not any deeper than the whales are long. A concrete tank is like a, an auditory hall of mirrors. At first, they're going to get back a lot of echoes, and eventually, they're going to realize there's nothing to echolocate on. And at that point, they simply shut down. And in captivity, they live in artificial families. Mothers and calves are separated based solely on commercial interest. Captive whales rarely live more than 20 years. Fewer than 50% lived more than four years after capture. The captive industry makes the point that they're providing education about orcas to all of their audiences. I think it's anti-educational. It teaches kids that we as humans should dominate them as opposed to anything about what they are as animals, what their culture is. The reason China and other countries are capturing orcas and other cetaceans and putting them in concrete tanks is because of the success of marine parks in this country. One could lose hope. One could say there are more and more animals being captured and the numbers we have today will, will be nothing compared to what could happen in the future. But we have to put our hope in children to stand up and say no, and we'll demand of their parents, no matter where they live on the planet, that we treat these animals with understanding and care and keep them in the wild. 
As the public ethic around keeping whales and dolphins in captivity changes, people are demanding that the shows stop and that the animals have an opportunity to live in more natural environments. Most of the animals today in captivity were born in captivity. So releasing them would be in many ways tragic because they do not have the skills to survive in the wild. The best solution is to build natural seaside sanctuaries where captive whales and dolphins can live in an environment as close to their natural habitat as we can provide. They'll have a sandy bottom with critters, fish, and crabs with whom to interact. They'll have birds on the surface to chase. And they will have space more than a hundred times more than the largest performance tank in captivity. The captivity industry is looking at us. The public has the power to end this suffering. Sanctuaries have been built for elephants, for gorillas and big cats. And now is the time to create sanctuaries for whales and dolphins. There is another way. Here it is. Wow. Powerful, powerful, award-winning film. Congratulations on that. Thank you, Jane. Thank you so much. It's got everything. It's got the emotion, but it also is incredibly informative. And you're absolutely right. What happens in America gets spread to the rest of the world. And we know that um, after Ringling Brothers Barnum & Bailey Circus went under with the animals that they used to grab from the wild, Cirque du Soleil rose up and provides the most extraordinary entertainment, circus entertainment, without animals. And so there's always that alternative that people may not have thought of. Listen, we've got a caller, uh, Sarah, uh, your question or thoughts, Sarah. Hi, I actually wanted to find out about you possibly getting this film into schools because I believe that it all starts with the kids because the parents take them to these aquariums and they don't realize that they're supposed to be swimming a long way. And the fact that people learn about dinosaurs millions of years after they're dead and they still learn about them, this is a concept I think we need to introduce is that it's okay to learn about animals. You don't have to go to a tank to see them. So what's your thought on that? And then what's your thought on um, whale watching? I also wanted to find out about like what you think about going whale watching for those whale watching companies like in different countries or different areas. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Sarah. So uh, your, your point is so well taken. It really starts with the kids. And most kids know that they don't want to see these animals in tanks performing. They already inherently know that. But then, you know, all kinds of forces come in and they end up going to to different places to see that. Um, And yes, we we are really interested in reaching young students with this film, with our message, um, with our mission. And uh, we are 
really interested in hearing about ways that we can get this into classrooms and as many classrooms as possible. Uh, kids, and I, I show this all the time with every, every talk that I do. Uh, in terms of whale watching, um, it, it's obviously something that depends upon the individual company and whether they respect uh, the distance and the policy, the regulations. Uh, certainly can be fine from the shore, uh, from a boat. It really does depend upon on, on the, the specific company and how respectful they are of, of the animals that they're trying to see. Uh, I think uh, the idea of showing this in every classroom in America is so powerful. Um, PTA <laughs> meetings as well. Because well, parents are misguided. I have had conversations with parents where parents ask me, yeah. What's in Central Park, where's the zoo? I won't tell them. I said, you don't mm -hmm. want to take your parents. You don't want to take your kids to the zoo. When I was a kid, my parents took me to the zoo in Central Park. I became depressed. I immediately mm -hmm. recognized that these animals were miserable. And it's funny yes. that the kids can often recognize what the parents can't see. It was exactly. torture for me to go to the zoo. Um, the parents, this misguided parents, and I've heard people who... I actually accidentally spoke with somebody who was part of an organization that's pushing an aquarium. And I said, this is the wrong message. But the kids, the kids, this is not helping the kids. As no. the film points out, it sends the absolute wrong message about our relationship with the natural world. And that's now right. we're in the midst of a climate crisis. And it's because yes. of our disrespect of the natural world and our arrogance. So this sends the absolute wrong message. What I love about your film is it's short. In this ADD culture, it's just about <laughs> five minutes, but it makes all those points. We're going to take a short break here on Voice America Radio, but we're going to stay live on Facebook. We'll be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Get Unchained. Tune in every Monday for Jane Unchained on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Featuring nationally recognized, best-selling author, TV journalist, and social media influencer, Jane Velez Mitchell. This program takes you inside a trending lifestyle that's the next wave of human evolution. It all starts on your plate. If you want to revolutionize your life, get happier, more energized, then discover the secret. Tune in to Jane Unchained Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. 
Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencer channel. You are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email in to News at gmail.com. Now back to the show. We are here with Dr. Lori Marino of the Whale Sanctuary Project. Uh, we want everyone to get involved with this. I'm going to get involved with this. I'm very excited about it. Uh, the extraordinary film Whale Without Wars. Tell us how you're going to fund this because I really don't. This is a huge project. It's okay if you repeat a little bit. Tell us how you are going to fund this project. How much will it cost? We are funding the Whale Sanctuary Project uh, through philanthropic donations. Through, uh, we are not doing this through any government agency. This is all coming through donations, large and small. The whole project itself will be a 12 to $14 million project. Uh, we can probably do things for a little less, but uh, this is really meant to be the standard so that we can then replicate this model all around the world. Dolphins and whales and tanks right now have nowhere to go. Even if they stop breeding them, you can't just take them, put them on in a backpack and dump them in the ocean. They wouldn't survive. We need sanctuaries in order to end the keeping of dolphins and whales in tanks for entertainment. And we hope you will join us. And we've got a caller, Paige, uh, your question or thought. Hi, good morning. I'm so inspired by your project. I have a daughter who's in veterinarian school, and she's been disheartened by the fact that she's being trained to um, be in the system for the animals as food products. So she's interested in um, oceanography, biology, and being a veterinarian for for sea animals. What would you Mm -hmm. suggest? And, you know, could, could... someone like that come and volunteer with your organization as well thank you so much for the work you do that's great question thank you Paige and more than volunteer we are going to have a veterinary internship program set up so once we are all set up we're going to have all kinds of things outreach education so somebody who wants to take care of dolphins and whales can come to the sanctuary and learn about them in a more natural environment. They don't necessarily have to do an internship at a place like uh, SeaWorld or someplace like that. So we're going to be open up to all those things. And I think what's important is that this is going to be a new model, a, a brand new thing that is going to have worldwide consequences not just for the animals, but for people so that they can see that there's a new way of relating to these animals. So 
Is there a way for considering that there are so many of these aquariums, which I call abusement parks, uh, is there a way for them possibly to transition so that this would be a new way of um, experiencing animals who are in the wild as much as they can be, given that they were born in captivity, probably, and yet it would allow people, if they can get to Nova Scotia, to see them, or there could be cameras. Uh, We live in a world now where we're talking about not just virtual reality, but metaverse, uh, where you can put on a set of goggles and experience something that's far more powerful than seeing an animal in a tank while you're walking through a hallway. I mean, that's really, we're talking about entering the modern world. Uh, If you look Mm -hmm. at aquariums and zoos, they are medieval. They are not of this era. They really are not. Now, Mm -hmm. if they could transition to a sanctuary model, that would be different. What's the difference between a sanctuary and a zoo? Somebody explained it to me once. A sanctuary is designed for the benefit of the animals. A zoo is designed for the benefit of the people. The reason they have to keep these animals in small enclosures is because they're on display. And if they don't keep them in small enclosures, if they keep them in large enclosures, like in a sanctuary, the animals will will go off and live their lives. And then people Mm -hmm. won't get their money's worth of seeing the animal like this. But that's a, 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 a dis, it's a discredited medieval model that doesn't apply to the model age, modern age. It's like going around in a horse and buggy when we've got cars. And so yes. uh, is there any kind of a dialogue with these companies? Um, not to say that they're going to be open to it. When you see companies change, it's generally because of protests and all sorts of public pressure. But I'd like to know, without naming any company names, mm-hmm. if there's any kind of recognition that they realize, whoa, the future is not us. I, I think that is true. It's not happening everywhere to every facility, uh, but there's a number that we are in dialogue with that um are starting to realize for one reason or another that the model, their business model isn't working. And, you know, you talk about live streaming from the sanctuary. What we can do is we can put water, uh, underwater cameras in and have live streaming in so that people can see what beluga whales or orcas actually do when they're given the choice to do what they want. And we can stream into places like SeaWorld. We can stream into museums and classrooms and living rooms. So, um, you know, these these places don't have to close down. What they just need to do is shift to a more humane model of how we learn about these animals. And we would love to work with them so people can go into a theater and instead of seeing an orca in a small tank performing tricks, they get to see a live streaming uh, video of some beluga whales hanging out in a sanctuary and playing with fish or playing with plants or playing with each other. They get to see what these animals do when they are given the chance to do what they want to do. And that's so much more interesting 
than watching an animal do a trained behavior, which has nothing to do with who they are. And what about the environmental aspect? I would think that environmental groups, conservation groups would be natural allies, but often we find out that they are still trapped in the old model. I think so. Um, Now, obviously, everything a sanctuary does, since it's in nature, has to be in harmony with the the surroundings. And we have had to make sure of that as well uh, in Nova Scotia. But if this goes beyond the captivity issue, it goes into the issue of how do we, as the species that's destroying the planet, how are we going to relate to the other animals? And so this is not just, even though it's critically important, it's not just about not holding the other animals captive. It's about the fact that they need to be in the ocean. That's where they evolved. And for them to be in the ocean, we need to help keep the oceans healthy. So this is about righting a tremendous wrong that has gotten to the point now where we're killing the oceans, we're killing the animals, and then we're taking the animals and putting them in tiny boxes. So the sanctuary becomes a hub for not only talking about captivity, but talking about giving back to the animals that we've taken so much from over the decades, over the years. We've got another caller, Tom, your question or thought for Dr. Lori Marino of the Whale Sanctuary Project. Oh, hi, how are you? Uh, my question for um, Lori today is, is there a way to know where orcas rank in animal intelligence, how we could rank uh, where, where they're at? I've often heard pigs are fourth smartest in intelligence. Orcas got to be near the top. Um, I'll listen to the answer. Thank you so much. Great job, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Um, while, you know, ranking animals is not necessarily, well, while ranking animals is not necessarily something that has a lot of validity, definitely orcas are really in complex beings. When you look at their brain, their brain is just elaborated to such a great extent in many ways more than the human brain. And then you look at their behavior in the wild and you see the complexity, the social complexity, the cultural complexity, the communicative complexity. So, um, yeah, they are incredibly intelligent and incredibly emotionally sophisticated animals as well. There are organizations that work so hard to try to save the beings of the ocean. Uh, Unfortunately, because we can't hear fish scream, we assume that maybe they don't have feelings, but they do. They have personalities. They have individualities. Mm -hmm. Sea Shepherd is one of those organizations. Have you thought about or are you in, I'm sure, communication with uh, organizations, including Sea Shepherd, because it seems like you would be natural allies? We are in communication with so many different organizations and Uh, For instance, the Animal Welfare Institute and uh, so many others, uh, Earth Island. Um, And as I mentioned, we have advisors from across the world, from Italy, from, you know, all kinds of places. And so we are an international group and we welcome a big tent approach to all of this. So let me ask you. 
What's the time frame? I mean, describe a little bit about how this is going to come together. And could there be other uh, sanctuaries, whale sanctuaries, particularly in the United States, the, the California coast, the Oregon coast? I mean, there's miles and miles and miles. Well, there's a possibility for many more. I mean, there's a sanctuary right now in Iceland, uh, and there is one uh, that's going to be uh, created by the National Aquarium right here in the United States in in another part of the world. And uh, so they are coming online. There are many sanctuary efforts for sanctuary for for whales and dolphins. So it's an idea that has started to become a reality. It's more of a global movement. Um, so, so yes, I mean, I think that uh, what can happen is that, that this, this becomes a model for something that multiplies. A lot of people are probably wondering, how do you get a whale or a dolphin from uh, an aquarium in the United States to uh, Nova Scotia uh, and in one piece and healthy. And of course, I would say, remember, they were kidnapped from the ocean originally and the film Blackfish really shows that. Can you can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Transferring a whale from one facility to the next is really not the hardest part of of any of this. That might seem surprising, uh, but but, for, you know, these parks uh, transfer these animals all the time all the time, uh, back and forth from Europe to the United States and further to China, all kinds of places. So we know how to do that. And the people that we have on our team um, are people who have the, the level of expertise needed to do that safely and to do that in a way that helps the animals to adapt. It is a slow process. It is not the kind of thing that you do overnight. But we do, we do know how to do that, and we do know how to take an, a whale who's been living in a tank, accommodate her to all the things she needs to understand and know before she's transferred. And then when she gets to the sanctuary, then she has to be attended to and help, and we have to help her. We have to help her to know that her surroundings are different. And that she now has so much more space, orders of magnitude, more space than she's ever had in her life. That's all a process that we know how to do. And we can do it. My question is, how do you provide the companionship? I mean, how many Mm -hmm. uh, of these animals need to go into the sanctuary so that they're not alone that they have a community? How do you make sure that they get along? These are the kinds of issues that Mm -hmm. every sanctuary deals with, whether they rescue a pig. And uh, I deal Uh with this all the time. Uh, Another amazing activist, Simone Reyes, um, rescues Mm -hmm. pigs and we strategize, well, is this pig needs to have this space while he or she meets this other pig. Let's see if they get along. They're like people. We don't want to be thrown into a room for the rest of our lives with somebody else that we don't know. Maybe we don't like them. That's right. That's right. So I think, you know, that's a really important question. And it's one that will depend a lot on the individuals who come to sanctuary. We're creating a sanctuary for six to eight beluga whales, two to four orcas in a separate area. And so who comes to sanctuary and who their, their 
bonded relationships are very important. So we want to provide enough space for them so they can space, they can get their personal space, they can disperse if they want. But we also have to be mindful of relationships. And what we are hoping to do is bring at least two at a time in so that no individual whale comes in all alone, that they're with their friend or their mother or their daughter. Um, So we're very mindful of that. And while we cannot replicate what happens in the wild because they have, you know, pods and communities of tens of hundreds What we can tell you that we will do is any decisions we make about the social groups will be based upon what's best for the animals. They will not be management decisions that are based upon who needs to breed with who, who needs to be, you know, displayed in a certain way. The priority will be about the animals and we will do our best for them. Wow. This is such an extraordinary project. And I can see and hear people saying, Oh, people are suffering so much. Why do we worry about this? Um, I know there's very good answers for that. And I know that we uh, are very connected to the natural world. Look Mm -hmm. at the pandemic. Look at climate change. It's all at its heart, our respect, disrespect for the natural world that's coming back to haunt us. But what Mm -hmm. would you say to those people who'd say there are bigger problems that we've got to deal with? Well, I would say that the, the, the pie can accommodate everyone, including other animals, including the environment, including, you know, medical research. We have a lot of problems in this world, right? And there is no reason to think that if you give to one cause that that takes away from another cause. Uh, It just doesn't happen that way. It doesn't work that way. And so I think, you know, what you get from a cause like the Whale Sanctuary Project is uh, a way to model a new world. And that's what we need right now. We need a new relationship with the natural world and a new relationship with each other as well. Um, And I believe that the way to do that is to model it, to put it on the ground and show the next generation that there is a different way. There's another way. Um, And that just just radiates out from there. So there's no competition at all. I agree. (laughs) And I always say, well, you're spending money on going to a football game. You're spending money to go to a movie. You know, wouldn't that be the first Mm -hmm. thing to give up? Um, It's a silly argument, but people do use it, particularly against um, animal causes. Um, They do. So let me ask you, I think this is a majestic project that is so extraordinary, and I can already visualize the award-winning, Oscar-winning film. Are you (laughs) going to, what's your timeline, and will you have, look, Blackfish was the game changer in this arena, and Mm -hmm. uh, I actually had the pleasure of interviewing uh, I believe her name is Gabriella Copperthwaite, yes. uh, who was uh, the filmmaker who did Blackfish that was shown mm-hmm. on CNN. It really opened people's eyes and gave them a new way of looking at this entire, yes. this entire issue. Um, what's the timeline for this? And do you think you're going to get a film out of it that would be extraordinary? And that would also be a vehicle for letting people know this is the new model. Well, yes, we are hoping to make a film about this. Uh, it's too 
important uh, not to, and we are hoping that it has something near the impact that Blackfish had when we made that. Um, we are looking at having our first residence either at the very end of next of this coming year or the spring of 2023. And that's if we are able to bring together all of the financial resources that we have uh, to, to start creating this. We are poised to do this. Uh, and so if we are talking about a year and a half from now, we're talking about something that's right around the corner um, and, and we can do it. Um, we're already close to being permitted. Uh, we've got this beautiful site. We've done all the environmental tests. So uh, right now, uh, we just need everyone to support us and uh, put us to work because we know how to do this. So it could be right around the corner in terms of large projects like this, uh which is exciting. It's so exciting. And why you? I mean, this really is a big project. And uh, what is it about your life? I know you you are a doctor, obviously, and you have an extensive bio curriculum vitae, however you want to describe it. Tell us about yourself and how you became so passionate about this issue. Well, I became passionate about animals. I mean, I've always loved animals and always been passionate about them. Uh, but I decided to do something about it uh, after I did the study on mirror self-recognition with Diana Reese in 2001. And uh, in that study, we showed that these dolphins recognize themselves in mirrors, um, but they were living in a little crummy, small concrete tank in Coney Island, Brooklyn. And that led me to start thinking about my own research findings. And I said, gee, a self-aware being is swimming around and around and around in a circle for the rest of their life. Um, what does that feel like? And when I started to think about that, and then the two dolphins we worked with passed away, they died of infections at a very early age. Um, I decided that I had to do more than just do studies. I had to take that knowledge and expertise and give back to the animals. And that's how I became what I consider a scholar advocate for the animals. Um, there's so much more than just accruing knowledge. You have to do something with it. Very powerful. Now, let me ask you about China, uh, because uh, that apparently is an issue in terms of lack of accessibility to talk to people, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, decision makers. And also it seems that they are very, that, that they are interested in taking these animals. I've read numerous articles about all sorts of plans, commercial plans to mm -hmm. exhibit um, these animals in China, uh, not to single out China. Obviously the United States and Europe started this. It, it, mm -hmm. it falls on us, but it is an aspect that has to be considered. China is the hotspot right now, no doubt about it. There are marine parks, marine entertainment parks popping up on every corner practically in China. There are at least 80 of them by this point. I mean, 80. 
Uh, I mean, it's just ridiculous. Um, but what's happening in China is that people are starting to emulate what they saw United States doing and Europe doing for so long. Um, so they figure, well, we want the same form of entertainment too. What we have to do is reach out to the people in China, and there are many of them who are working to try to educate the, the, the population there. Um, one of the things that has happened is that China has depended upon Russia to capture whales from the ocean and transport them to these entertainment parks in China. And in 2019, the Whale Sanctuary Project went to Russia and worked with the Russian government and advocates there uh, to stop that that that. Uh, supply chain, if you will. It was called the Russian whale jail and it was closed down. And there's so there, that's no longer happening. Um, so we have to both work to cut off the supply, but we have to educate the Chinese people. And there are plenty of animal advocacy groups in China who are working to, to get this done. And so not everything happens in lockstep, as you know, around the world. Sometimes uh, different things happen at different times. China happens to be, in this respect, where we were decades ago, and they just have to be brought up to speed. Wow. Well, you have an incredible attitude. It seems extremely overwhelming what you're doing, uh, but you're breaking it down. You have a big team. I was on your mm -hmm. website. You know, you've got a <laughs> Tell yeah. Us a little bit about your team. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, I may be the president, the founder, but also um, we have a team of people that are a dream team. I mean, Michael Mountain, who is the former president of the Best Friends. Um, we have Charles Vinnick, who is our executive director, uh, who was in, was the manager for the Free Willy Keiko project 20 years ago. Um, we have uh, Carl Safina, who is a, a prominent uh, conservation biologist, uh, so many people. Uh, we have um, Sylvia Earle, we have uh, 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 Jean-Michel Cousteau, just, just everybody we've asked to be involved has said yes. So we have a level of expertise that's not to be believed. Every day I say to myself, oh, my God. I mean, I can't believe the people that we have. Anybody who's anybody in this area is on our team. So we do have a dream team. Um, and so this is not just about me. It's not about, you know, just a few people. This really is a team effort. Um, and it's really incredible. We, we can get this done, which is, you know, something that I can honestly say um, that uh, we have been doing and will get done um, as soon as we can. Well, it's an idea whose time has come. Yeah, sure. it has. And for sure, it really is. As we think about what's happening with our world. Mm -hmm. And um, including the pandemic, you know, in the yeah. 14th century, the pandemic that wiped out up to half of Europe, a third to a half. Uh, and uh, really, I was watching this series. It said it was it heralded the end of the medieval era and the beginning 
of what became the Renaissance. It was a Mm -hmm. game changer. It changed everything. Mm -hmm. And I think we're at that point as well, where we have to rethink everything. These old models uh, are not working. So we've got remote work. We've got, um, you know, the metaverse. We've got all of these things. And it, it seems so clear that aquariums are the old model. And, and, and so the idea that um, you are offering this alternative, if you add the media component that would allow everybody to experience it globally, um, you could reach so many more people than any aquarium. It reminds me of during the pandemic, there was um, a, a campaign started called Goats to Meeting, where the sanctuaries, who, which had been depending on visitors and they needed to get some income to feed their mm-hmm. animals and take care of their animals, got this idea. Let's offer an animal on Zoom so that one of these Zoom boxes has an animal who is I saw that. walking around eating hay or looking into the camera or just eating an apple or having a good time. Mm-hmm. Obviously, just compassionate view of an animal, happy animal in mm-hmm. a sanctuary. It was such a hit that they actually reached more people than they would have reached had they had in-person visitors. Mm-hmm. And people who would yeah. never have gone to a sanctuary. So bosses to entertain their staff who were going crazy about Zoom meetings were oh my gosh, I'm seeing a cow, right? And one uh, worker even made the connection. He was eating a hamburger and he looked and he said, oops. (laughs) And so, bingo. So, I mean, the potential for actually reaching a global audience, Mm -hmm. I think that is one of the most powerful selling points. So when you mention the underwater cameras, and you mentioned all of that, you could almost see somebody in a control room, a director saying, take camera two, take camera three, take camera four, giving names to these animals and actually seeing in real time a reality show of Mm -hmm. animals in the wild, which would be far more spectacular than any aquarium show. Yeah, because the animals then are doing what they want to do. I mean, that's exciting. You can check in with a certain beluga. What is she doing? How is she spending her afternoon? Wow. (laughs) You know? And so, you know, I I think that the possibilities are really endless. Um, And they are, again, all of this is done without imposing upon the animals. I mean, they've already been imposed upon, you know, as they've been made into performers when they never signed that contract. Um, so, uh, let's give back to them and allow them to just be themselves and let's find out what it's like to be a beluga whale or an orca, um, when you're allowed to be, that's the point. That is the point. Wow. Well, I think the media aspect being in media is super exciting. Yes. And, uh, I I just think what you're doing is just like mind boggling. I, I'm impressed, so impressed that you are pu- that you are putting together all of this. Um, when when you pitch people, and obviously everybody can support, right? How can they support this? People who are watching at home saying, "I love this. I can only give a hundred dollars." Well, you'll take it, I'm sure. 
Yeah, absolutely. There's all different ways to support. But if you go to our website, uh, there's a way to donate there. You can be in contact with me uh, personally. You can go to our Facebook page or Instagram pages, all kinds of ways that you can support. And, and we're appreciative of both large and small. I mean, we have some donors who are major donors, and we have some people who just give what they can give. And it's all important because this is, this is really something that cannot be done uh, without this project being adopted, in a sense, publicly adopted by people, just like the whales, you know. Um, so it does take a village. It really, really does. And um, we know how to do it. And if you have a way to help us to do that, get in touch with us. Well, again, going back, we only have a couple of seconds, but going back to the media aspect, uh, I could see somebody who is a, because media is obviously a whole other field. And uh, um, I could see somebody who is a media um, sort of genius, you know, could put this together in a way that would, not just the film about this happening, but creating that as it happens so that when yes. it so that when it starts it's this other thing that also gets media attention because it would be really a first of its kind almost a reality yeah. show of these animals um exactly that, that exactly that that portion could be its own you know fundraising part because people might be very i find that to be a really fascinating part of it um, well, let's let's talk about it, Jane. Because <laughs> being in media, I just think yeah, that, that the sky's the limit with that. Exactly, exactly is extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I do feel that this is we're at a point where if we don't start respecting the natural world and the other beings in it, uh, we are going to uh, potentially go extinct. I mean, this sure. is not just. Crazy talk. Uh, we are breaking boundaries. Uh, and one of the boundaries, uh, a great documentary by uh, Sir David Attenborough that uh, is something you can watch on television right now, breaking boundaries. Uh, one of the key boundaries is the destruction of wildlife. We have destroyed mm-hmm. approximately two-thirds of all wildlife on this planet. Mm-hmm. And if we continue, we're going to, within a decade, have virtually no wildlife. So right. we are in a crisis point. And oh, this we are. is a solution to what is really a huge percentage of the planet, the oceans, the wildlife in the oceans that we are just decimating. Mm-hmm. And so that bigger picture is also uh, another aspect of this. Absolutely. Absolutely. It just goes so far beyond, um, all, you know, the, the few animals who are going to be lucky enough, fortunate enough to be in the sanctuary. This is really going, going into a new, a new world, a new way. But this time, we're not leaving the other animals behind. We, uh, we need to bring them with us, and we need to go into the future uh, in relationship in a relationship with them that is one of respect, um, not exploitation, because you know what? That doesn't work. Um, uh, We need to have a different relationship with the other animals. Thank you, Dr. Lori Marino. What an inspiration. We so appreciate. Go to 
whalesanctuaryproject.org and mm-hmm. help. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Jane Unchained. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week. Thank you.